and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Today's guest is Dr. Marissa Edwards. Dr. Edwards is a clinical health psychologist who specializes in the treatment of eating disorders, including anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, body image issues, anxiety, depression, self-injury. Dr. Edwards is passionate about the promotion of health behaviors in minority populations and awareness of diversity in eating disorders. In her free time, Dr. Edwards enjoys taking Zumba classes, hey, caring for her plant babies, arranging flowers, and binging Netflix. She is also a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Today, she joins us to share non-traditional forms of self-care and how to develop a proactive approach to overwhelm. We also discuss our shared love of Zumba, airy spaces, and gratitude practices. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Edwards, for joining us today. We are so glad to have you here on Joyfully Black Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Good. Well, first, you know, something I do with all guests is really level set for a minute. And you are a clinical health psychologist. So what inspired you to go and choose this career path in particular? I always say that this career path actually chose me. Mm. Um, I actually started my undergraduate studies as an undecided major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I started kind of looking around at different programs, different classes, and fell in love with psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, I originally wanted to study marriage and family therapy and become a marriage and family therapist, Mm -hmm. which I studied in undergrad. And then um, when it was time to apply to graduate schools, I stumbled upon the clinical health psychology program and just loved the idea of working in a healthcare setting, mm-hmm. helping people kind of change the way they thought about their health, helping them to think about it in a more psychological way. And then uh-huh. that's kind of how the, the passion took off. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned your trajectory in sort of the settings that you're working in now. And since the pandemic, what sort of items have you seen an increase of um, in, in people thinking about their health and habits? Absolutely. So, you know, as we've been going through this pandemic for about two years now, I've seen a lot of ebbs and flows. So there's been a lot of times, a lot of periods of isolation, increased mm-hmm. depression and anxiety. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through the, you know, quarantine weight gain or quarantine weight loss. And then, you know, health behaviors went on an uptick. And then we saw a lot of just kind of like physical somatic symptoms that were Mm -hmm. happening as a result of being isolated and having these depressive episodes or um, increased anxiety or worry about the state of the world or what was happening. Um, And so we were seeing a lot of people going to ERs and going to the doctor with these somatic symptoms, chest pain, Mm -hmm. headaches, um, fatigue, and the doctor doctors are saying, you know, physically you're okay. It might be stress. It might be anxiety. Um, So we've seen a lot of like uptakes in those types of things. And it's not surprising that you're seeing so much anxiety and and stress in, in these clinical settings. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, maybe doctors and even yourself, you know, start to talk about self-care that's become a buzzword in, uh, in today's society. And, you know, sometimes I find it easier to say than do, especially 
for busy women like so many of the audience members, and they're just juggling being uh, civic leaders or just folks who love volunteering, balancing family life, whether they're caring for their own children or uh, caring for uh, aging parents, or just, you know, sometimes family just depends on you. And then, of course, a career life, right? What specific questions can women ask themselves to help them prioritize self-care? That's awesome. That's a great question. So I think one of the first things um, in order to recognize the need for self-care is to recognize what deficits you might be experiencing before you can engage in self-care. I always tell people there is no one type of self-care that works for every type of stressor, every type of, you know, period of anxiety. So you need to have a lot of them because you never know what's going to work in the time until you figure that out for yourself. But it really is important to just really think about what have I noticed in my body and my mind and my thinking patterns and my habits that have changed over the last week, year, Mm -hmm. month, whatever that might be to notice that there's a deficit. I also Mm -hmm. don't believe that you always have to have something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or notice some type of super significant behavior change in order for you to engage in Mm self-care, but it is always important to think about what's the goal? What what is my goal for self-care? What am I hoping to get out of this period that I'm taking for myself? And then just what things bring me joy? What things make me happy? What things make me feel like I'm at peace and I'm at my best, most authentic self? It's what you kind of shoot to strive for. I'm really glad you mentioned uh, those items specifically around nothing has to be wrong for you to engage in self-care because so many people wait until they are like having a a breakdown or they just don't want to speak to anyone. And so you're saying this can really be preventative as well. Absolutely. And so I, I think we, we have this term that we think about um, with regard to coping called coping ahead. And Mm -hmm. it's the idea that we're going to practice these skills before we need them to reduce the chance that we'll need them later. And so the idea of coping ahead is essentially self-care. So thinking about things to engage in before we start to feel the stress, before we start to feel bogged down, before we start to feel overwhelmed, in order to then hopefully reduce the chance that it'll happen in the first place. But I mean, life happens, stressors happen, so you might need to engage in it, of course. But the idea of trying to like have those things outlined, know what it is that you want to do is always really helpful. Oh, that's great. You know, that made me think about early in the pandemic, you know, eating Oreos, which I hadn't had in like 11 years. Was was my like whenever I felt anxious and I thought this will not bode well. Let me turn on this beach body on demand and do some <laughs> working out. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that. So really having that plan in place beforehand. So when you feel stressed, when you might feel overwhelmed, you already know what to go to. Yeah. And I always think about it this way. When you're at a really heightened state of stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, worry, frustration or uncertainty, it's hard to learn how to do something new during that period of time. So essentially we need to, it needs to be habit. It needs to be something that is easily accessible. It needs to be something that I can pull from whenever I need to, because at that point when I'm super stressed, I don't want to have to think about the steps of all the things I need to do to practice self-care. Like I want to be able to do it pretty easily. Yeah. I I love that. It's funny. Um, I was talking to a, a friend yesterday and I mentioned I was going for a walk and she said, oh, you're going for a hot girl walk. I guess that's the new thing on TikTok now because, you know, walking is accessible. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's the, one of the cheapest things that you can do if, if you have the capacity to do so. It's not snowing outside. Sorry, you Northerners. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but yeah, one of the, the cheapest things that you can do. So that's great. And also we know that self-care is more than a bubble bath. If we're thinking about that coping ahead sort of strategy, what are some, I would say, non-traditional ways that women can provide self-care to themselves? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think for, you know, me personally, for my girlfriends, a lot Mm -hmm. of people I work with and see, self-care looks different for every single person. So Mm -hmm. for some some people, that might be sleeping an extra two hours in the morning if you have a a late start to your day, or um, sometimes that means boundary setting. Sometimes that means lighting your favorite candle every morning, whatever that, it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really think that, like you said, when we we think about self-care, the first image that most people come to mind is laying in a bubble bath or scheduling a massage or going to get the nails done, which is Mm -hmm. great. By all means, do those things, Right. right? But there's also this idea of just creating a peaceful space, creating a joyful space, um, do engaging in activities that make you feel happy. All of those things constitute self-care. Um, self-care could be not scrolling on Instagram for an hour. Self-care could mm-hmm. be you know, taking a nap in the middle of the day. I love naps. Like naps <laughs> are my favorite thing, honestly. And oh that, my gosh. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite forms of self-care is just to relax right in the middle uh-huh. of the day. I spend so much time talking and so much time, mm-hmm. you know, being face to face with people that sometimes I just need to rest. Yes. So it is important to just figure out what it is that you need throughout the day, throughout the week, um, sometimes scheduling the self-care ahead of time, sometimes just having like a, an, enough options to choose from so that it's mm. never too hard to do it. Oh, I love that. So um, I know, um, yes, you are a health psychologist by day. And I'm always curious to, to ask like how your professional life impacts how you show up in the world in regards to taking care of your own mental health and self-care practices. That's a really good question. Um, It's something that has been an ever evolving um, journey for me, honestly. So um, it's not something they teach us in graduate school to be Mm. able to manage, you know, your self-care and to be able to manage your boundaries and Mm -hmm. like what it's like to take on so much from people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it starts with myself being in therapy. It starts with me Um, reaching out for support when I need it. It also looks like a lot of boundary setting. So Mm -hmm. when I'm off from work, I'm off from work. Um, Or when I need to take a minute to kind of not watch, I I don't watch a lot of news. Um, That's something um, that's a form of self-care for me personally, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to watch the news and then sit in therapy with a lot of people talking about their histories and their lives, which Mm -hmm. I I love my job. My job is absolutely my passion, but sometimes it can be very draining as a human to sit and hear stories about people's lives that um, can be sometimes challenging. So I think Mm -hmm. for me, it has now turned into self-care becoming part of my daily life um, at some level. So whether that means engaging in exercise or um, making sure I'm filling myself with nutrition, um, nutritious foods or Mm -hmm. drinking lots of water throughout the day or, you know, working out. Um, I personally love aromatherapy. So Mm. simple things as like changing my candles out every week Mm -hmm. or, you know, having plants around those types of things for me, give me a sense of peace 
and they really do increase my, you know, ability to so, uh, practice self-care. Um, practicing journaling and gratitude is something I do very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly try to do the things I remind my clients to do often, um, mm-hmm. very intentionally. What would I tell my client to do in this moment? And yes. that's what I to do. You have to find yourself taking your own advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I have to reach out to friends for them mm-hmm. to remind me. I am by mm-hmm. no means, you know, the world's best person to engage in self-care. Sometimes it's hard for me to do it. And so mm-hmm. luckily I've surrounded myself with amazing women that keep me motivated, um, family and friends that keep me motivated. So it's great. And you know, sense of community is a common thing that comes up on Joyfully Black, which which totally makes sense because as folks who are involved in the community, we almost create our own villages, whether it's people from school, from our childhood, family members, folks that we just have an affinity for in our lives who just mean so much. And how have you seen the the role of your your village and continuing to enhance your life? Oh, I could talk about this for hours. Um, so I, I don't know. I've been blessed with lots of circles of friends um, mm-hmm. or like friends that have been with me through different periods of my life or villages that have been with me through different periods of my life. Mm-hmm. A lot of those villages have now combined to make larger villages of uh, larger people. Yes. Um, it's, it's been, it's a beautiful thing. It's also something that I have friends that I can go to when I need support, friends that I can go to when I just need to relax and unwind. I have friends um, that cross lines. So there's uh, four of us, myself um, and three of my colleagues, best friends, sisters Mm -hmm. who graduated from our doctoral program together. And we have been each other's supports for the last several years, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, supporting each other through career paths, through life changes, Mm -hmm. through, um, you know, just our journeys in general. And so helping each other to navigate that space has been very important for me. And that friendship is especially has been very important for me. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. That's really beautiful, especially when your circles intertwine and grow larger. Because like, yes, my friends, your friends, and your friends and your friends are friends. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. And when you or people you know, or even folks that you work with, when you, when you find a time of adversity, mm. what are some ways that people can remain resilient? You know, they're practicing the self-care, but maybe, maybe it's in the workplace or maybe dealing with an issue at home. What are some ways that you would recommend that they continue to foster um, that spirit of resiliency? I think it's it really is an individualized uh, requirement or necessity for everyone, but it is something that you can foster. A lot of times it comes from remaining motivated, thinking about why you're doing the things you're doing, remaining grateful. A lot of times it's hard to be great or practice gratitude during periods of adversity. Uh-huh, uh, for but, sure. Yes, absolutely. But a lot of times it's also important to think about how things might not have always looked the way that they look or how you've gotten through more difficult things before or mm-hmm. how, you know, hard things don't always last that long. You know, we're mm-hmm. not we're not built to sustain things forever. And so it's important to remind yourself that even if something's going on right now, um, it doesn't have to always be that way. And sometimes it just takes a lot of mental toughness, a lot of self-motivation, a lot of just fostering yourself and keeping yourself at a place that's really strong and Mm -hmm. just kind of like building that in yourself, which can be really, really difficult sometimes, um, which is why it's good to have those people around you to 
help you to build that resiliency and help you to keep motivated and keep going. Mm. And there's a quote that I always ask guests because it just speaks to my soul. When you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. And so you mentioned a couple of things here today, but I'm I'm curious, what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it? That's a good question. Let's see. One thing I'm finding is um, for me, the things that nourish my soul are also the things that I try to be very intentional about. Um, and so like some very small things with my life now revolving around my home, I have to work from home. I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time at home because safety, um, yes. <laughs> you spend a lot of time at home. And so my space and having a clear space, having a clean space, having a space that feels very comfortable has become very important to me. Mm. Um, and so keeping my space like very open and mm-hmm. bright and filled with plants and filled with colors and filled with things that bring me a sense of joy and peace. Like I love stepping into my house when I have like aromatherapy going uh-huh. and on. It just feels very peaceful to me. So that's something I try to make a lot of space and a lot of room for, which can be difficult, right? Because if I'm yeah. in my house all day, that means that there's things that are not always going to be in place, which means I have mm-hmm. to be very intentional about keeping my space clean, keeping my sure. space um, the way I'd like it. So that's one thing. Um, I've also become very intentional about my health and wellness and what mm-hmm. that looks like. Um, and so making sure I'm moving my body in some way daily, whether that means going outside or mm-hmm. going to the gym or practicing yoga, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like has become very, very, very impactful for me. The other thing is practicing a daily gratitude, um, mm-hmm. having a daily gratitude practice. And so it's something I've I talk a lot about client to clients about and saying, you have mm-hmm. to practice gratitude. You have to practice mindfulness. And it was something I struggled with because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't have time. I've been sitting down all day. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, do this thing, but I had to for- not force myself, but force myself to do it. Yeah. And now it's become part of my daily habits. I look forward to it every night to kind mm-hmm. of sit and just reflect on the day and reflect on the good things, the bad things, the things I want to um, intentionally go about the next day and set my intention for the next day is very, very important for me. So those are a few of the things that I do to make space for myself. And Mm -hmm. that alone is a form of self-care for me. That alone energizes me. It keeps Mm -hmm. me motivated. It makes me get out of the bed for the most part, Um, (laughs) excited about the day. Yeah. You are so right about having a clean space. And I know, you know, there are some people who may live with with messy partners. They have children about and they're not able to keep their space as clean as possible. Sometimes just having like your little corner of the house, because I remember years ago had roommates and, you know, living with other people. Sometimes that can be challenging. And so just finding like my little sanctuary, it just can make a a big difference. Absolutely. I 100 percent agree. And so I think it's something that, like you said, it's not always feasible to have a spotless home. It's mm-hmm. not always feasible to say, well, you know, every day the house is going to be perfect and immaculate. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Re- yeah. Reality will say that that won't happen. But it is important to try to find whatever that space looks like for you, whatever the environment is that brings you peace and brings you productivity and motivation is, you know, do oh. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would, I would love to ask you about, you know, seasons of life. And so as, as you're aware, life is all about seasons. And as you're reflecting on this specific phase of life that you're in, what 
brings you joy? My life brings me joy. Hmm. Truly. My job, my career, my partner, my friends, my puppy. Like there's so many aspects of my life that bring me joy. And it hasn't always been that way. So I'm very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm and like I said, I know I've brought up being intentional a lot. Yes. Um, but I think it's something I have to be very intentional about because of the state of the world. It's very Absolutely. easy to slip into this like space of things are horrible, things aren't great, things are scary, what comes next? But I try to be very intentional because mm-hmm. the world is going to be the world and the world is going to be negative. So I don't need to add to that as much as mm-hmm. possible. Um, but I think just the things I surround myself with, the things that um, bring me joy truly are my peace. And so trying to find, I'm, I'm still learning, I'm still evolving, yeah. I'm still learning like what kinds of things um, do bring me peace, but I try to make note of them when I feel peaceful. So that when people have these questions and people ask, you know, how do you know what peace looks like? Or how do you know what joy looks like? I can think back to the last time I was sitting on the couch and playing with my puppy and I truly felt at peace or spending Mm -hmm. time with my fiance and feeling truly at peace. Right. And so keeping inventory of those things or journaling about them is something that I try to do to bring me joy. Oh, that's wonderful. And and you have mentioned intentions a lot. Intentions, intentionality was like my word of 2021. <laughs> and I'm I'm curious, what was your journey to to stopping and making sure that you were setting these sort of priorities or saying, I'm going to be intentional about this? What was your process for that? Because some people may feel like, oh my God, my life is so hectic. I don't even know how to start that down that path. I got fed up with myself. Um, mm. If I'm being honest, I got yeah. fed up with being very, um, with things feeling chaotic, with things mm-hmm. feeling overwhelming, with, I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah. I used to have a 45 minute to an hour commute every morning. Mm-hmm. And I had all of these things I wanted. I wanted to get up and go on a run in the morning. And I wanted to like sit down and have a cup of tea before I went to work. And that never happened. Not mm. one. Not one single time. And it would always be me getting up, hopping in the shower, throwing on clothes, rushing Mm -hmm. to work, getting there. And then like for the first time feeling like I was breathing. Mm. And I was like, I don't, that's not how I want to start my day every single day. There's no reason that I'm like rushing and not breathing for hours to get to work and then finally breathe and be tired and overwhelmed and like finally coming down from being stressed. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I was very intentional to start waking up earlier to, you know, step outside and have a, you know, walk, take a walk in the morning, even if it wasn't every morning, or even if it wasn't um, doing six of the things I intended to do, even Mm -hmm. if it was one, I I would feel a lot better. Um, It also took a lot of me trying things that I didn't like, trying a lot of things that didn't work for me, uh-huh. trying a lot of things that I'd seen on social media or, you know, learned about in school or whatever. Sure. And I'm like, let's try this. Uh-uh, doesn't work. Not going to do it. Right. And, and to a certain extent, it takes those, those periods of learning yourself to mm-hmm. also become intentional because you have to know what works for you in mm-hmm. order to a lot of people struggle with coping because they mm-hmm. don't know what skills work for them. And they're doing okay. skills that work for other people or for work di- for different periods in mm-hmm. their lives. And so learning about that is important. So th- I think that's where the intentionality comes from. I got sick 
of myself. Yeah. I got yeah. sick and frustrated of doing the same stupid things every uh-huh. day and expecting a different result. And so once I started to be more aware of what I needed, you know, at what point during the morning was I starting to get stressed? Was it when mm. I didn't have my clothes pulled out? So then I had to rush. Okay, well, if that's the case, get your clothes out in the morning the, the right. night before, right? Mm-hmm. Like finding finding the flaw and then finding the solution is, mm-hmm. is like that where that intention has come from for me. I'm so glad you shared that, Marissa, because... I, I think a lot of folks can can relate to being fed up but not figuring out what to do and not and being scared to try something new. And it sounds like with this process of intentionality is is really is really having this growth mindset and, and being open to learning what works and what doesn't. Because I know for some people getting their nails done every week is is the thing for them. But honey, I like getting my hair done. I <laughs> And, and having a clean space and just a sunlight, you know, it, it varies from person to person. And for folks that, you know, follow the podcast and me on Instagram, they know I love Zumba. So I'm a Zumba instructor. Are you really? I am. Oh, yeah. my God. That's so I was, I've been like, haven't really been teaching as much as I would love to, but I 100% understand that. So like Zumba is like your thing. I love that. Yes. Oh my, yes. I didn't realize how much I loved it until I should have known because I used to go like every single day, but during the pandemic, I thought, oh, I'm fine. Like I can take walks. I have this beach body on demand. Like it's good. And over time I was like, I am sad. What is going on? Yes. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, when things kind of got better last year, I started going to Zumba again and it I just saw a huge difference in in how I was how I was approaching things for sure. Yeah. And that's like the perfect example of being intentional. So mm-hmm. recognizing that la- not having Zumba in your life made you feel different and how yes. you, you feel when you're there. It's like, OK, check mark. I, yeah. Now I know that this is something that brings me joy or that brings mm-hmm. me you know, a sense of peace. Now mm-hmm. I want to be intentional about incorporating that into my schedule more often or as much as possible. Oh, absolutely. That's okay. great that you're a Zumba instructor. <laughs> yes, like you said, the pandemic hasn't been the best for it. Um, I know. But I, like you said, watching it online or going back mm-hmm. so comfortable has been so it's it's like the best. It masks working out for me. Like it does. It's, it's just it's fun. And so when you can have fun and laugh and be just like free. It's such a good feeling. That's so true. And, and you mentioned a keyword that some people forget, like what is fun for you? You know, as long as it's something healthy, you know, um, but when I say healthy, meaning some people, you know, sometimes over imbibe on alcohol and that's fun for them, but it leads to, you know, adverse reactions. But if it's, if it's fun and it's not hurting you or someone else, cause I, I was talking to a coworker, uh, at the height of the pandemic and she mentioned how she was trying to get into meditation, but she hated it. Like she hated it. And I thought, well, why don't you just try something else? And it was almost as though she hadn't even hadn't thought about it. She hadn't thought about it. You she would just say, I hate this. I'm trying, but my brain is going along. I'm like, well, you could always try. What else is fun for you? And and after that, she she actually joined an improv class. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, it fed her her spirit. She's quite the extrovert. So it, it fed her spirit. I could tell the, the difference too. Um. Yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. It has to be fun and something you're actually going to do because you enjoy it. Yeah. And I always tell people if, if you don't one know how to do it, ask questions, obviously, mm. but if you 
keep doing it and it doesn't work just because people say this should work or this, you know, this is going to make you feel so much better. If it doesn't, don't do it. Right. Find something else or find meditation is like the perfect example. So many people they'll will be like, you know, let's practice some type of mindfulness. And they mm-hmm. go to meditation. And the first thing that everyone says is, I can't sit still that long. I can't turn my brain off that long. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, well, let's try it. See if it works. Let's let's try something that looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, if it doesn't work for multiple times, it just might not be the coping skill for you. It mm-hmm. just might not be the thing that works for you. So don't do it. Like we can find there's there's so many more things that we can try. Yes. So I, I 100% agree with that. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, um, I'm so excited that you joined me today on the Joyfully Black podcast. And so how can people connect with you online, Dr. Edwards? Absolutely. So you can follow me on my personal page at Rissa Noel, R-I-S-S-A-N-O-E-L-L-E, or my professional page um, that I have with those, that group um, of other fellow doctors that I mentioned who are also my sisters, my very best friends, uh-huh. um, who are all also psychologists. And that is Sistadocs, S-I-S-T-A dot D-O-C-S. Um, so please feel, fo- feel free to follow us there. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you. I will certainly add that to the show notes. And are there any other resources that you want to leave with the listeners, whether it's a book that you really enjoy or other resources that could be helpful? Absolutely. So one of the resources I always give out um, to people is a very well-known website and that's therapyforblackgirls.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone's ever looking for um, a therapist, a licensed psychologist um, in your area, it's always important to look for those people. Um, don't be afraid. Reach out. There's a lot of resources out there. So that's the one I would leave with you all. I do listen to to her podcast as well. It is it's yeah. just chock full of great information. Yeah. It's just I I love the way she has the the search um, for for therapists. Sometimes it's very hard to find therapists. Mm-hmm. And if people are looking specifically for a, a certain type of therapist, it can be really difficult. So I know that's really helpful. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you again. It's been such a treat to talk to you today. Ooh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Joyfully Black. So what non-traditional self-care practice will you try this week? Let us know by tagging us on Instagram at joyfullyblk. Bonus points if you actually tag yourself with a picture or video of doing something. And make sure to visit our website, joyfullyblk.com, where you can subscribe to the show in Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Podcasts, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, If you found value in this show, please be sure to share it with a friend and tune in next week for our next episode. Until next time, stay in the black, y'all.